0: All right, we also forgot to mention, please pray for Dr. Birchfield, uh, for his health, and others. All right, Brother James is going to preach. Let's give him a good hearing. And, uh, you know, like Brother Roloff said, it'll soon all be over now. These are the greatest times of our life. Amen. Amen. Don't forget, it's fishing season has opened up. <clears throat> you want to get started early now? All right. I want to speak to you out of Job chapter 42. Job in chapter 42. <clears throat> All right, we'll be reading verses 10 through 17 be reading beginning in in verse 10, we'll read to the end of the chapter, I ask that we all stand together for the reading of God's word, Job 42, oh by the way, 42 chapters in the book of Job for 42 months of the great tribulation, and uh, he's a picture of the Jews being persecuted down in Edom. That's where he was living, down in that region. So there's a lot of uh, typology there. It has nothing to do with the message. I just wanted you to know that. So uh, Job chapter 42, verse 10. And the Lord turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. Also the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. Then came there unto him all his brethren and all his sisters and all they that had been of his acquaintance before, and did eat bread with him in his house, and they bemoaned him and comforted him over all the evil that the Lord had brought upon him. Every man also gave him a piece of money, and every one an earring of gold. So the Lord blessed the latter end of Job more than his beginning, for he had fourteen thousand sheep and six thousand camels, and a thousand yoke of oxen, and a thousand she asses. He had also seven sons and three daughters. And he called the name of the first Jemima, and the name of the second Kaziah, and the name of the third Karen Hupuk. And in all the land there were no women found so fair as the daughters of Job. And their father gave them inheritance among their brethren. After this, Job lived 140 years and saw his sons and his son's sons even four generations. So Job died being old and full of days. So we'll speak on the three daughters of Job this evening. The three daughters of Job. Father, I ask that thou be with us this afternoon as we meet for in a unique time, and I pray that we would all pay attention, that you would uh, help us to stay awake and listen, not to what I say, but what the Spirit says to the churches. And Lord, may some get some strength out of this and uh, a vision for the future. We'll pray all this now and ask your Spirit to help. In Jesus' name, Amen. amen. Three daughters of Job. Herein, we find the end of Job. We know what he went through throughout his beginning and his middle. Uh, he had a very happy ending. You know, Job's one of those tragic stories, but a fairy tale ending. He had, uh, it says his ending was better than his beginning, and his beginning was very good. You know, all right, so James chapter 5, verse 11 says, You've heard of the patience of Job and have seen the end of the Lord that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. And I like this. I really do like this because Job was the end of the Lord. What you see that happened to Job, God calls it the end of the Lord. Now what does that mean? This is the end of God's dealings with Him. This is how it's going to all turn out. In the end. Now we know the Bible says the end of a thing is better than the beginning. And actually, a Christian life, if you've lived it well and tried your best, the end is very, very good. Uh, Much better than the beginning because you've already gone through, you've already run your race, you're ready to be offered. Uh, There's nothing better than that if you will look at it from that viewpoint. So this is what we'll stress tonight, the end, okay, for God's people. It's called the end of the Lord. Now, Job had a very great beginning. says he was greater than all the men of the East. All of them. In wisdom and in possessions. And his family. He, had an, he just had everything, okay? But it says that, why? He was a man that feared God Amen. and eschewed evil. I mean, he feared the Lord Uh, exceedingly it's hard to find a rich man that fears the Lord these days is it not in fact I don't know if I've met very many in my whole lifetime that do but Job did says that he was greater than all the men of the east now why fear of the Lord it's the beginning of wisdom the fear he had of God brought wisdom into his life that made him wiser and greater than all the men of the east they might be thinking they're great and wise, but they don't have the fear of the Lord to start them off. Therefore, they miss the beginning. And for them, the end of it things not better than the beginning. The end is actually much, much worse. And that's why they have such a horrible ending to their lives. Now, the fear of the Lord gave him much purity. The fear of the Lord brought... The Bible says, the fear, by the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. It's the fear of the Lord that makes us depart from evil. And it said that, what I like about Job is he tried to get evil to depart from him. He shoot it off. You know, he escheweth the evil. Rather than departing and running from it, he ran it off. He had the right attitude. He, much, he had the very right spirit. So Job was growing. Job was expanding. Job was happy. Job was content. Everything was going right for Job. You'd say the beginning of this man's life was the greatest beginning you could have. But life wasn't over yet, was it? No. Life, Job had the worst middle that you can have. I mean, nobody can have a worse middle of their life than Job had. So difficult. He lost everything that he had accumulated, he lost his whole family. I thought that was interesting when we're reading. His brothers, his sisters all came back to him. They're not mentioned in there at all. You know, they forsook him. You think about that getting forsaken. Well, he said his wife forsook him and said, curse God and die. All of his brothers and sisters forsook him and all of his acquaintances, they forsook him, left him all alone, but now they're at the end, they're going to come back. So he was tested almost beyond hope. He was tested, he sought death. He was tested more and, and had so much, the preacher's talking about uh, affliction. He had so much affliction He hardly saw hope for the future. He couldn't see the future. He did trust the Lord. So his middle years were very, very uh, trying. Made him wonder about life. Started making him wonder about God. Started making him question God. Started making him wonder. I fear the Lord. I see evil here. What's going on? Why is my life... Gone. So it brought tons of questions into his heart. So he was trying to find out. And he just wanted to know. And his friends thought he was charging God foolishly, that he was blaming everything on God, when in all reality, he just wanted to know what was wrong. And uh, I don't know if he ever found out. Now, it's interesting because that he had a great beginning. His middle years were the low of the lows. And then we just read how great his ending was. You know, all of us have maybe a little bit different path through through life to get to that end. But we all ought to. My whole message is, you ought to get to that end. You ought to get to the right ending, and it's called the end of the Lord. Okay, the end of the Lord. I remember in my life, uh, I had a pretty rough beginning when I was before salvation. After salvation, things went pretty well for me. I think I was blessed. I think uh, I grew. I grew in knowledge. God led me. I had a great life I had a very blessed life I expanded you know uh, learned the Bible I got my I got my wife my family we were expanding in life we we're exp- I was expanding in knowledge uh, making more money my income was better everything was growing things were getting better uh, my experiences were good for the most part I can honestly remember'd say to Rebecca say, I, I just don't get it uh, we hear news all over from people coming in and it's always bad and i don't have any bad news to tell people i remember saying that all the time man i never had tragic news to tell other people that's happening in my life i don't understand what they're going through i mean because it kept coming in from all over everybody they would be telling us stories of how rough life was and i'm thinking boy we're blessed we're living right god's all over us and this is great well Uh, and I was trying I was I believe I was benefiting from Psalm chapter 128 but middle years are coming there was a middle year coming for me and everything changed I remember had financial troubles uh, made very little money I can remember our house almost burnt down to the ground it caught on fire and and big portion of it burned We, we were we struggled you know, raising two kids. Uh, we struggled. Boys became teenagers. I remember. Then I finally started getting my sicknesses. I, my injuries started creeping in. All these things started coming. Suffered some pretty horrible injuries during my middle years. And now I can say, boy, now I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I love it in Job. I think it's chapter 3. His friends say, hey, Job, you remember when it was everybody else? And now it's come on you. Now it's your turn, Job. Now it's your turn to go through some struggles of life. Now it's your turn to suffer a little bit. And I started feeling, boy, I'm getting me a dose of it. And uh, I don't think I changed my life any. I don't think I've done anything wrong. You know, I'm a little bit like Job. I don't know what I did to all these things start to happen to me. But I honestly think God was in it. God was just like Job. He was purging me. He was preparing me. He was teaching me. He's making me into something that wasn't myself. You know, all this before it happened, it came very easy, and God had mercy. You know, I can remember saying, and, I, and I, you know, I read the Bible every day. I remember when I came to that famous passage where Job, well, just like Job said, where Job said, oh, that I was in days past. Oh, that I was in the days when God preserved me. When his candle shined upon my head as I was in the days of my youth. Oh, when the secret of God was upon my tabernacle. I'm longing for those days again. You know, Job was crying out. I want that back. And it seemed so far away. And I remember reading that passage and thinking, I can relate to that much extent uh, what Job was going through. It's interesting because What happened to Job was the hedge got brought down. He had this hedge of protection. He had this hedge that God had put on his life of blessing, and because of Satan, God said, "I'm going to let you. I'm going to remove that hedge." And all this happened to him, and the the reality of living on earth finally showed up because it's a tough place to live on this earth, and all the problems started coming in uh, that we had to deal with and fighting. Now, as of late, I don't think I'm at the end. The Lord knoweth. Uh, but the Lord's been blessing there's a turnaround Lord's been blessing me greatly His mercy is back the light is on the opportunities are there the Lord's doing amazing things but I had some rough times like Job Job's middle years very tough, very grueling, very trying but in reality like I said, they were a blessing you know, if Job hadn't endured all this we wouldn't know any of it Right, and we wouldn't have the story to tell what the end, what the end of the Lord will bring if you will follow the life like Job did and learn. Now, I think Job learned more about God at that time than any other time in his life. I think he learned more about how to be a real man than any other time in his life, and he adversity grew him, adversity purged him, it perfected him. So. Job had this great beginning. We'd all want to say, "I'd like to be like Job." Well, you can especially have the part where you fear the Lord and spueeth evil. You can do that, men. Okay, but the middle—terrible in middle—a middle where he wanted to die and thinks, "Well, it's over for me." He didn't. He couldn't see. There's a bright future ahead for me. He couldn't see it. He's in the middle. There's this bright future ahead, boy. God gave him a wonderful ending. And it's called the end of the Lord. Now in verse 12, it says that the Lord blessed the, the latter end of Job more than the beginning. More than His very beginning. You know, the, it, it, my ship came... In his case, it came in twice. My ship came back around for another another uh, docking and unloaded the boat for me. And, the, and it says it the amount of stuff... Uh, The amount of possessions that he had. Now listen, if you're struggling, we all do at times. Some people are. If you're you're discouraged right now, battling through some major lows, uh, suffering from sometimes self-inflicted wounds. We know these things. Or you're getting attacked by the enemy and you're not really responsible for the attacks. Any of these things can be coming. Like what happened to Job? I think what we have to do is remember life's not over yet. Life's not over. A year from now it could be totally different for you, even one year. Life is not over. You're in the middle. Growth will return again. You know, if you want to call it happy days or here again, whatever. The blessed days will return again because this is the end of the Lord. This is what happens to people. Who fear the Lord and sheweth evil and try to follow Christ. Now note, I want to say something about this. Job uh, had physical blessings in an earthly kingdom. He had him a kingdom. I and mean, you look at the beasts that he even owned. He had a kingdom. We're not gonna have that. And honestly, we don't want that. That's not that's not for us. Most of his blessed life came from possessions, knowledge, Great family, uh, great everybody revered and respected him. Those were his blessings, and he got his health back. That was his blessings. The Christians different. I mean, you could have the most unhealthy Christian, and they could be the ble- the most blessed spiritually out of the whole bunch. Because we have spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, and God promised us that if you'll follow Christ, He will give you all these things that the world cannot receive. Amen. Right. He's talking about joy today that comes through suffering. That only comes for God's people. Nobody gets joy but us. Nobody has true peace but God's people. Nobody even knows what love is but God's people. Right? We know these things. The Christian is different. So again, Job had physical blessings and much growth in an earthly kingdom. The Christian has spiritual blessings and growth in the kingdom of God. And it's not seen. You can see it on a countenance. You can see it in a life. You can see it in a lifestyle. You can see that they have joy. But you're not going to see it in a pocketbook necessarily. Or the bank account necessarily. We're not. God didn't call us to that yet. Those days come in the future. And I'll say, if you want to compare the two, I know most people would take Job's deal in a heartbeat. Ours is much, much better. Much, much better. We know things of the truth in, in, uh, and the gospel and the prophecies and what's coming down the line for us than Job ever did. And we have such a wonderful opportunity. We can come back to this. And I, I will come back to that at the end. Now, at the, at the end of Job's life, and let me say again, at the end of the Christian life, ought to have the same type of benefits. He was blessed double fold, twofold. Didn't Jesus say, I'll give you a hundredfold more? If you'll follow me, I'll give you a hundredfold. He said, If you'll follow me and leave all, all, I promise to give you a hundredfold land, all this, everything you ever sought for, and in the life to come, too. So you get it in this life and in the life to come. God's not saying you're going to get it. uh, big giant ranch someday. That's not what He's talking about. He's talk, Jesus is saying He will bless you a hundredfold if you allow Him to do so. And He usually will come at the end. Now, His latter end was blessed more than the beginning. And uh, I'll say it again. His trials and troubles brought Him unto this ending. His holy living. His trust in God. Suffering that He went through. The tribulation. Learning to forgive. It says he prayed for his friends and they railed on him for, for, for what? They railed on him. He forgave them. He learned patience. It says you have heard of the patience of Job. Job finally learned, I'm going I'm to be very patient. I'm going to follow God. I'm not going to fall apart. I'm not going to just lose all and, go and, and uh, seek my own way. I'm going to s- sink in and let God bless me His way. Job ended with the greatest ending of all. And he went out full. You know, people say, I lived a full life. I lived 90 years, lived a full life, saw everything, and I'm ready to die. Uh, Really? Really? Did you do what Job did and serve God and eschew evil and love Him with all your heart and humble yourself before Him? If you didn't, you might have had a lot this world gave you, but you're not going out with a full ending because you're going out with nothing. And people don't understand that. People say, he lived a full, rich life. Well, it better been for God if you want it to do right. It has to come from God, or did it just come from hard work and circumstance and luck or what are you want to call it? This is Job's full end. I'll say this. This is interesting to me. Uh, here's his earthly blessings. 14,000 sheep. 14,000 sheep. We can't, we can't even comprehend that type of numbers. 6,000 camels. Who needs 6,000 camels, by the way? This guy says he'd like a couple. A couple thousand? Who needs 6,000 camels? What are you going to do with 6,000 camels? A thousand yoke of oxen. Now that means 2,000 oxen to plow your fields. Think about that. A thousand she-asses. Who needs a thousand she-asses? Well, God gave more than He needed. That's what it's saying. He gave him exceedingly abundant. More His wealth was more than you could ever imagine. And then what does it say? It comes along and it gives all this, and then it finally says, but he had seven sons and three daughters. Seven sons and three daughters. He had seven good sons. Now, you think about that. If you had seven good sons that that got it that would be the ultimate would it not you'd have a full quiver ready to attack the gates of hell if you had seven good sons what you could do you know and then that struck me this verse of uh, ruth 4 15 when they said to naomi they told her you didn't need a son because your daughter-in-law which loveth thee is better to thee than seven sons interesting ruth was better to her mother in law, and more beneficial than seven sons. Now, interesting that Elkanah said to Hannah one day, he came to Hannah, she was always down and out because she didn't have any sons. She was always worried about it and, and crying, and he said, Wait a minute now, darling, am I not better to thee than ten sons? And the answer was, No, you're not. I want sons, I want Samuel. And, and God gave her Samuel. So the full blessing of reproduction and growth culminated with his family. Seven sons. You know, think about us. If you want to, if you want to put it into perspective of uh, going fishing and soul winning, how would you like to produce seven good sons in the faith? Seven good sons or daughters in the faith. I mean, get it and follow Christ with their life. That would be very... That's amazing, isn't it? That's blessed. That's fertile. Ought to have a lot more than that. But seven great ones. The full proof of Job's greatness and blessing was found in his home life. And so, let me finish the message by saying, he had three daughters, and this is interesting. uh, It says they were so fair, they were known all over the land. Everybody knew the three daughters of Job and how fair they were. Can you imagine who he had to fight off? run off all the losers and the ramblers yeah it'd be rough i'm thank the lord i had no daughters amen i, I thank the lord for that one but three daughters of joe jemima Keziah, and karen hupik Now in them we find this beautiful situation for Job because it, to me, you know, it kind of shows his home life. His daughters are there, you know. It's his home life. So in in these three daughters you find this beautiful situation for Job Uh, to have these three walking around your house all the time and helping and living around your house. It's a great situation. The girls, these women girls, they enhanced life. They enriched his life. They were a representation of the culmination of all that God gave to him and did for him. It's called the end of the Lord. Now, Job had a Lord's ending. Now, that's what we want. You better hope. I want a Lord's ending to my life. So these daughters represented how beautiful his end could be and then how he departed out of this world. So let's just look at this real quick. Jemima, and it's not Aunt Jemima either. You know, they're getting rid of Aunt Jemima, sad to say. I thought she had a pretty good pancake mix. They're getting rid of Aunt Jemima. But, But the real Jemima lived. This is where it came from, okay? He had a daughter named Jemima. It's funny. says she's fair, all right? But, you know what her name means? Warm and affectionate. That's what her name means. She was warm. You know, when you say somebody's warm, what does that mean? It means they're the opposite of cold. You don't like being around cold people much, do you? The, the frigid type, they didn't, they didn't work. What if they are in your household? Frigid, cold, rigid, hard people that live in within your house. That makes for a rough house, a home life, in my opinion. But not with Jemima. Jemima was very warm. Very affectionate. She not only said she loved Daddy, she proved she loved Daddy with her ways, with her affection and her love very and you know very tolerant and accepting of life. You know the, the word congenial comes in. She's very congenial, she was agreeable, she had a great spirit. she added to the spirit of the home, not took away by complaining and griping. And causing grief and trouble to others. No, she's much more than that though. She was loyal. She was loyal. She was reinforcing of her dad's way. She got it and she followed the ways of her dad. She understood and she got it. She not only fit in with the family, but she was just this perfect fit for the family. It made the family better because Jemima was a part of the family. Now that's what it's saying. Jemima... I don't know. She might have been a hugger. I've noticed this new generation loves to hug, even the men. It's a little weird to me. I never. We didn't come out of that where you hug each other when you come to one another. No. But it doesn't say she was a hugger. But she was warm and affectionate. She had a. a it was a warm and comfortable feeling. When you got around her, and actually it was a warm and comfortable feeling when you were even just being around her, it made it changed who you were. You ever notice there's some people out there you get around them you feel better, you just feel better by being around them. On the contrary, there's a lot of people you get around them you just feel worse. They ruin your life if you let them. This is Jemima. Have you ever met anybody? that's like Jemima. I would think everybody ought to aspire to be like Jemima, especially in your home life. Makes situations much better. Now, Jemima, she loved, she accepted, and she appreciated her house, and she showed it with affectionate behavior. Jemima lived with the warm feelings to her family, and she had consideration for those around her. That goes along with part of the uh, affection, okay? It does. She was considerate. Now who wouldn't want a daughter like that? Who wouldn't want one? Who wouldn't want, okay, i ask you this question. Who wouldn't want a desire to live in a situation like that? That's what I would want. You don't have to be a female to be a Jemima, by the way. You can be a male and still do the same thing. You can be warm and affectionate. We've got to move on here for time's sake. Kaziah. now his second born daughter, her name is Kazia. Now her name gives more clues to her qualities now this is what her name means to peel back the bark of the cassia tree that's what it means to take the cassia tree and cut it and peel back the bark you know why it's cinnamon and the fresh smell of cinnamon will the aroma of the cinnamon will just come out of that tree when you, when you cut the bark off and so you're getting this fresh aromatic fragrance that just comes at you, if you like the smell of cinnamon, of course. I'm sure there's some people out there that don't like it. But it puts forth, this is what it's basically saying, she puts forth a fresh, pleasant aroma. That's Kaziah. She smells good. Now the Bible talks all about, all throughout the Proverbs, about Odors and fragrances and smells and how they enhance your life and how they make you know what they do they enhance your spirit. They can actually the smell you smell can put you in a different mood. You can sometimes you get a foul smell on you and you go what is that I can't get that smell out of my I can't I'm stuck with it for the rest of the day apparently I can't get rid of it. What if it's a good that's that's a foul person by the way. that's got evil spirits on them. You get around that, it's going to ruin your day. But if you get around a kazia, the aroma is going to be pleasant. It's going to benefit you uh, so well. Now, have you ever walked in a room and just you just walk in a building and the the smell hits you and it's something you really like? You went, there you go. That's it. Do y'all like walking in like a coffee shop that really brews it hard, anybody? Or does that make you sick? You know, it's a good smell, is it not? Kind of changes your spirit, makes you want to order one of them big ones. Makes you want to get the uh, double espresso. That's what it, but vanilla. You name it, what works for you? You smell it, it just makes life better. And, and these are simple little things that make life better. Now, this is the type of, the Bible says, uh, perfumes, deodorants. You know, this one guy, I think he finally figured it out, because he never smelled good. Everybody would always say, don't you even wear deodorant? He said, much less, no cologne whatsoever. He said, don't you wear deodorant? He said, no, I, I, I'm, I'm a man. I ought to smell like a man. The only, I, the only deodorant I wear is B.O. Gold. And you know what? He's still alone to this day, I would bet you. Nobody wants to be around that. Nobody wants to smell that. Nobody wants to be around a foul person. When you get around them, they they ruin your day. They put you in a bad mood. I don't want to be around people like that. Sometimes you have to. Sometimes you're forced to. Then you just got to deal with it. But can you imagine in your own home, all the time, what about on the opposite? You have one in your home that really enhances it. I mean, you get around them in your life is like, wow, the smell is great all the time. This is the benefit that Kaziah gave. It heightens the senses and it speaks to the heart. That's what I'm trying to say. There's certain people, you get around them, it just affects your heart for good. And sometimes it, you say, well, you know, some people never get their smell back from this uh, COVID, I think i don't know i've heard some people don't even get it back that's a a, a sad thing because you aromatherapy is biblical it really is but some people don't even get their taste back that's kazia that's a good spirit of the home it's fragrant smell and fragrant living now uh... let me say something these both of these had to do with the senses right? And I've got, to, I've got to finish up here. Look, they both appealed to the senses. Now listen to the last one. Karen Hepick. That's, that's how you pronounce her name. I think it's where the, the modern name Karen comes from. Karen Hapik means a horn of cosmetic. A horn of cosmetic. It's a container that holds women's face enhancers. That's what it means. In other words, it's that it's your cosmetic purse, ladies. Is there such a thing as that? I think there is. Cosmetic case. That's the proper word. It has all your fixings. Right? <laughs> you know, you walk in, you go you you know, you go in a lady's house, you see her uh, makeup desk and all the stuff. This man. You go to look at the men's and there's two or three things like it ought to be. And then you go to the women's and it's just piles of it. Say, Man, with all those resources, you better look good. <laughs> you better really look good. You know what it means? The dye for the eyes? actually means that. But what it's, what it's insinuating, it's the countenance. The, the countenance and the face. It This is her. She pictures a woman's makeup counter. Karen hampick. Not a Jezebel. No, we're not talking about a jezzy who used for wickedness and pride. Not a Delilah to use for seduction and sin, and not the strange woman, because all three of them painted it up. We're talking about somebody who appropriately. So the, what they would have is a horn. They would use a horn back then for their cosmetics to carry them in. That's what. And her name was actually. That's what her name represented. You know, a fair woman. Okay. Fair colors. Glistering for an appeal and an uplifting of the eyes. And I, I, I don't want to say too much about this, but it's interesting. There's some people when you see them, it enhances your heart. Just getting around their countenance. You know, the Bible says if you got the Holy Spirit all over you, guess what? It's going to show through your countenance and it's just going to shine through your face, and people are going to see it. And it also says that a good friend will enhance and make your countenance better. You got, a, you got somebody walking around in their drudgery all the time and they're frowning and they're miserable. I'd check out who their friends are and their associations because they're not getting the job done. Good friends make you better. Good. So can you imagine uh, living with these three women? Now I'm talking on a on a spiritual scale here. What it must have been like. Now I know some people, some women try too hard, some don't try at all. There's a happy medium there. Wouldn't you think the countenance, the countenance, it brings light and it brings life to those that are around them. So all three appeal to the senses. All three symbolize a beautiful household blessed by God, a seasoned life of fearing God. And honestly, everyone's end ought to be this way. You have a, one of the sisters. She she's warm and affectionate all the time. The other sister, she keeps the aroma going through the house, the good aroma, all the time throughout the household, Dad, and daddy's blessed. and my, the, all the, Everybody's blessed. The other, she's fair to look upon, and you know the word fair in the Bible does say that they may be good looking, but that's not what it means. It's the countenance has light in it. The countenance is alive. They're a living person. They're not the walking dead. And that's what Karen Hampett was. They brought life into the house. It was the right type of life. Every, and what we're saying is everyone ought to have this type of end. Now, we put it into a uh, practical spiritual ending here. Now, for us, we're not talking possessions again and bank accounts and such. We're not talking about that. We're not talking about the picture perfect family with perfect looks. We're not talking about that either we're not talking about silly and goofy and happy all the time and not dealing with reality we're not dealing with talking about that either we're people that know we're talking about a life and a family that can deal with reality and they deal with it properly and the evil days don't get the best of them they don't let the evil days turn their life upside down the evil days are definitely coming and the dark days are coming but they don't they can handle those And the people within the household can take a major hit and still keep the family in order. Still keep the family light and alive and a very happy place to be. We are blessed with spiritual blessings in heavenly places. You know, if you understand who you are in Christ and do your job as who you are in the end of the result of a lifetime of Christianity and what it will bring, and the fruit of the Christian life, what it will yield for us. You can have Job's end. Now, you say, well, I know somebody has been saved 30 years, and you'd have to nickname them uh, Mr. Crabby or Mrs. Crabby. They're always miserable. There's something wrong there. I'm just letting you know there's something wrong. Does the Spirit of Christ produce that? Did the Do the nine, fruits of the Spirit, produce that type of life? I reckon not. People who stay bitter for a lifetime and they're never satisfied and they're never happy and they're unfulfilled—they're not getting the end of the job. They're not. Someday down the line they might. The, get, the goal is—is is at the end to have the end of what the Bible calls it—the end of the Lord. It's not the end of Job. Job experienced the end of the Lord. So, doesn't matter what's going on now. It really doesn't matter. Some people have horrible beginnings. We know that. And they grow into grace and they grow into th- and they, they accumulate, and God blesses them. The end is what matters. The end is what matters. Is your life on a course destined to a good end for the Lord? That's the question. Does you, is, are you on that trail? Don't get off of it. Do not get off of it. Because when the end comes, there will be no ending. You're going into it for all eternity. Now, real quick, we're done, but just turn to James chapter 5 and read what God says about Job. Read what God says about Job. I think it's, it's times what they used to say at Rolos, they'd say, do an attitude check. See what you are. Are you are you let are you uh, are you a Jemima? Warm and affectionate? Are you a Kaziah? You put off good smells that enhances people's lives. Are you a caring habit? People you bless people by being in their presence and them just looking at you? Or are you one of these others that just makes people miserable? I would it's good to check yourself every once in a while. I think it really, really is. So look here in James 5.11, behold we count them happy which endure. That's it. The key. Keep sticking it out and enduring. You have heard of the patience of Job. What if he'd have quit? He wouldn't have had that ending, right? He wouldn't have had that ending. That the Lord is very, I was, I'm sorry, and have seen the end of the Lord. There it is. It's the end of the Lord. That the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. And what you'll find is fullness. Fullness for ever and ever. The end of the Lord. It ain't over yet. You know, sometimes you think, man, I don't see much in the future. Well, God has a great future if you'll stick it out, right? Things will get better. For the Christian who's growing, yeah, you might go out like John the Baptist with your head cut off, and many of them did, but they couldn't take away all the spiritual blessings he had. they just take his head off. His blessings continue even into eternity. Anyway, uh, fullness forever. You've seen the end of the Lord. Go out and get it for you. Let's pray. Let's bow our heads. Just think about life and think about, you know, no matter what your circumstances are now, the end's what matters and the end will matter. They may put us in jail in a few years or even sooner. We don't know, but the end is what matters. The end of the thing is better than the beginning. You might lose everything you have, but in the kingdom age, and when we get to heaven, you're going to get more than double fold. Jesus promised us a hundredfold. But even now, we have riches beyond. If you just think about what you have, your knowledge of the Bible is worth more than most people's entire wealth, if you could see it that way. We're blessed beyond measure. And we ought to thank God for that. Aspire for the end of the Lord. To come upon us as we grow. As the pen is placed. I want you to think about that. We'll have a short invitation. Heavenly Father, we thank Thee for the message. And uh, though it was not given as well as it could be, we ask that You'd please help us to remember these three women. These things ought to be taking place within our own homes, within our own life, that we should settle for nothing less. And also, Lord, that we should be ready for a great ending. We have a great future ahead of us. Help us to live for that and prepare. And anticipate it, believing that it will come because we trust the Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.